You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. It's time for the news, and we have some major news. I will probably go to that last because that's what I like to do. But uh, let's get right into it. There's not a lot. I mean, it's Super Bowl week, so most of the news is based off the Super Bowl. Not really that fantasy relevant, so I don't get into the Super Bowl news that much. And a lo- it's, it's a lot of... Uh, propaganda on the Super Bowl like oh look at the story of the third string running back and his journey to the Super Bowl so I actually think they uh, withhold NFL news on purpose during the Super Bowl week so we have nothing to talk about but the Super Bowl but uh, that's okay we'll go with what we have we have Jason Garrett expected back as the offensive coordinator of the Giants and that's relevant I think you know with the way the Giants offense looked last year it was really predicated on Saquon Barkley, who got hurt like second game of the season. So uh, you really didn't get to see it go to fruition. And there's some weapons there. I mean, I think they need a little bit more outside of Sterling Shepard and uh, Evan Ingram and obviously with Saquon Barkley back. But uh, they're a weapon or two away, and we'll see. You know, Daniel Jones still, you know, a lot of people aren't convinced on how he's going to be. And I'm one of them outside of what I said earlier in the season, thinking that he was going to take the next step. He didn't, so uh, you know, maybe another year in the system will uh, you know, create a, a better atmosphere for him where he's more comfortable in that offense and maybe produces a little bit. But I think you know, that continuity for the Giants is only a good thing. Doug Williams, he was provo- promoted to the senior advisor of the Washington football team. you got to like what the Washington football team has done. I mean, they've gotten a lot of... St- you know, slack, rightfully so, for, you know, being uh, with the sexual uh, assault and abuse allegations and then, you know, with the Washington uh, name getting removed and uh, being considered a, a racist organization. They they definitely needed a lot of help. They got a lot of advisors and they started putting a lot of key people in place, um, uh, you know, of different uh, uh, backgrounds to, to make sure that they don't... Uh, keep that culture that they had so good on them hopefully it makes a huge difference and uh the organization is moving forward and and on the field at least you got to like this team in the future I mean you don't know what their quarterback situation is so that's always going to hold them back but outside of that I mean this is a young defense that's up and coming they look like they're going to be a a good unit and uh, they have some they have some weapons on offense they just need someone to uh tie that all together 49ers re-signed running back Jeff Wilson. It was like for a $2 million uh, one-year extension. It will go to $3 million with some incentives. And that's good news for the 49ers. Uh, What do I I think about it from a fantasy football perspective? I I like him. I think Jeff Wilson can be a decent play. Uh, the, The 49ers run the ball a ton. They always do. So that... That's why I think they have so many injuries at running back is because they just their team that really commits to the running game and 
running backs get a lot of carries. So is Jeff Wilson going to be a consistent force in you know next year? I don't think so, but I definitely think he can be the uh, the other piece outside of Raheem Mostert. Um, I, McKinnon's going to be gone. Uh, who knows with Tevin Coleman? But you know both of those guys definitely have moved down the the, the depth chart, and it's really Mostert and Wilson being the two main guys in that offense. So uh, if Monster gets hurt, you really like Jeff Wilson. You've seen what he can do when he was the guy. I mean, he he was dominant. So uh, I think he's a, a good pickup. And even if he isn't, you know, Monster isn't injured, he can still be a, a valuable piece because, like I said, they run the ball so much that he can still get some carries and be uh, prevalent. The biggest news that we'll, you know, we'll get right into it now, QB Matthew Stafford traded from the Detroit Lions to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff, two first-round picks, and a third-round pick. This is a really big deal because the first thing is, you know, you heard rumors about how it's going to be a carousel of quarterbacks moving all over the place. So if Matthew Stafford is worth that much in collateral when draft picks, and, you know, they were able to get a starting-caliber quarterback, I mean, is he a mediocre starting quarterback? Yes, but he's a starting quarterback. And, uh, you know, that's just a lot for Matthew Stafford. I mean, I, I think he'll do well for the Rams, and I think, you know, the you know he was with the Detroit Lions all those years, so he's a guy we didn't really talk about. And I think if he went to the right team, he could have been a, a star quarterback in the league. But that still is a lot to give up. And the Rams are really going all in this year. And, and you know, for the next couple of years because they really don't have any first-round draft picks to, like, 2024. So they're basically taking, uh, you know, a lot of, like, the Redskins used to do this or back in the day. Uh, Steelers used to do this back in the day, like in the 60s, you know, trade away all their first-round picks for uh, veterans. And that doesn't always work. So, you know, with the Rams, I do like them the next couple years, but long-term, I'm not sure about this move. They're definitely... Uh, you know, I think they gave up a lot just because they wanted to dump Jared Goff's salary, which makes sense because he was making a fortune. And I guess we'll just see how that goes. Um, uh, is Matthew Stafford a better quarterback than Jared Goff? Yes, I believe he is. But is it enough to give up two first-round picks and a third-round pick uh, better than Jared Goff? I'm not so sure about that. And... Uh, uh, but from a fancy football perspective, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford definitely, I think, you know, he was in the top 15 for the Lions with not a lot of weapons. You know, Galladay was hurt, Marvin Jones. Uh, you know, he played. He was their main guy. But uh, he, he, he really didn't have a lot around him. And he was still able to be in the top 15. So I, I can see Matthew Stafford being in the top 10 with the Rams. And, uh you know, again, this is the Rams going all in, and I, I definitely think that they're going to be a contender. And the West is such a tough division anyways that uh, I think this is a move they had to make to be relevant in the West, and we'll, we'll see how it pans out. But nonetheless, I mean, this is a huge move. I didn't see the Rams sneaking in there and getting any of these quarterbacks, so to get Matthew Stafford like they did, able to pull up the collateral to get him. And uh, from the Detroit Lions' perspective, I mean, yeah, you know, I – said what I said about Dan Campbell. They're they're in a rebuild. But uh having Jared Goff as your quarterback and you know if if they're 
committing to the run with DeAndre Swift. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's the right move for a rebuild, and Jared Goff can be a really good rebuild-type quarterback that can get him through the tough times. So I, I see the logic, and then to get those assets of first-round picks to get uh, you know maybe speed up the rebuild and, and getting quality players in the first round, uh, this, is, this is a good move for the Lions. And I, I like, I guess, what they're doing uh, with the rebuild. Even though I didn't like the hires of the coaches, uh, I gotta like the way they're uh, they're acquiring resources to uh, to do this rebuild. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's exciting. And if you're a Rams fan, you're really excited. If you're a Lions fan, you, I mean, you're probably not excited because you you probably really like Stafford and he was a key piece of your team. But you at least gotta like the return. I I you know when they said they were gonna get rid of him or trade him and. You, be honest, Lions fan. You didn't think you were going to get this type of return, and you did. So take that with what it is, and uh, let's get right into the quarterback review with uh, Miz and Burke. It's time for the Burke and Miz quarterback review. Let's get started. All right, it's time for our year in review in regards to the quarterback position. The parameters on that is we're just going through week 1 to 16, and that's the length of most fantasy football seasons, so that's what we'll be measuring. And we have some hits, we have some misses, and we'll get right into the rankings. First off, we're going to start at week 5 or sorry, quarterback 15. And that is Jared Goff for the Los Angeles Rams, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, Burke, do you have anything to say about Jared Goff being at 15? Uh, you know, again, we had him ranked outside the uh, 15 top fantasy quarterbacks going into the 2020 season. Um, to see him here at this 15 mark, not you know, terribly surprised. This is we talked about in our podcast at the beginning of the year that this is where you get kind of your middle of the road quarterbacks, where you draft two of them and they're serviceable based on matchups. But if you have a talented lineup around them, that you can you know be a effective in, in your fantasy football season. Um, just looking at some of his stats, um, just a little bit shy of four thousand yards, which is pretty respectable. Thirty nine hundred and fifty two yards passing last year. Had twenty touch passing touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Um, you know, you look at the uh, um, touchdowns, 20, not bad, but it's interesting looking at Dak Prescott, who was injured in week five, had nine passing touchdowns in that short duration of this season. A um, couple mm-hmm. things that probably helped Jared Goff, too, is the four rushing touchdowns this year. That definitely increased his uh, his fantasy total. A um, little surprise to see him at 15, but again, just right in this ballpark, if that's where I thought it'd be, that 15 to you know 18 range. Yeah, I think when you look at the... Uh, you know, I had him ranked at number 20, and then you look at the fact that, you know, there's some injuries at some, you know, with some teams at quarterback, he definitely slides up there a little bit, and I think, you know, he, he goes into that range where he was a person that you could roster throughout the year, definitely a good backup quarterback in case you, you know, need, you know you're in a pinch at quarterback, you can throw him in there, or, a, you know, bye week quarterback, but... uh I know he fell out of favor with the Rams, but from a fantasy football perspective, I mean, he was pretty much middle of the road, and he wasn't going to win you games, but he wasn't going to lose you games either. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's one of those players, too, that could put up big numbers and then just put up the next week pedestrian numbers. You know, really streaky type player. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, someone that, like you said, middle of the road, someone can put up fair enough numbers to help you, you know, serve as a backup and, and be a matchup-based uh, player to start. And I think one of the the things with Jared Goff, too, that was kind of maddening was he'd have some really good matchups, and you'd really be like, yeah, this is Jared Goff week. He's going to really blow it up. And then he didn't. And then there's some other matchups where you're like, man, Jared Goff's going to do horrible this week. And he was respectable. So I really feel like he was a hard play just because of how unpredictable he was week to week. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at Seattle. You know, Seattle was a team that, you know, allowed some big games as far as, you know, uh, passing to opposing quarterbacks. And I'm looking at his matchups against Seattle. Um, You know, he had 13.5 fantasy points and 12 those two matchups against Seattle, who did not fare well, as I said, against, uh, you know, opposing passers. Yep. And I'd like to add, those were even earlier in the season. Like, Seattle's defense started kind of straightening out towards the end, but this was at the time where they were giving up a lot of points to the quarterback position. So it's, uh, yeah, it was one of those things where he was a kind of a scary play where you're not sure what you're going to get. At number 15, I had Drew Locke for the Broncos. And I just got to say, I was really off on Drew Locke this year. Um, I had him in my top 15. He was more like top 30. And I get that he was injured for uh, about, what, four games this year. Um, And that happened right at the beginning of the season. But those four games that he missed were the ones that I thought he would struggle on. I thought once he came back with the the way the Broncos schedule opened up that that's where we were going to see good Drew Locke. And really... The only time we saw good Drew Locke was halfway through the fourth quarter every week. Um, that's where you're getting the majority of your fantasy points. Yeah, I had uh, Drew Locke at 16 um, going into the year, and I was high in Drew, Drew Locke as well. Um, definitely disappointed as far as expectations this year. Um, you know, a couple things I think affected overall fantasy points. Obviously, missed a couple games with injuries, um, but when he did play, like you said, there was matchups where you thought he would take advantage of. Um, one being Oakland Raiders and the and, and the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> playing in Las Vegas, yeah. and that was a game where you thought they were going to put up quite a bit of points and force the ball quite a bit, a lot of red zone turnovers. So, um, pretty inconsistent play. Um, fourth quarters again, you're right. That's where he became hot. Um, but really, his play in comparison to the last five games of the previous year, 2019, uh, you know, not much improvement. Maybe in some games, you could look at it as almost a little bit of regression. So, um, still mm-hmm. hopeful. Uh, that Drew Locke can uh, reduce those, you know, those mental mistakes and errors and stop forcing the ball a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He has a lot of talent around him, and, and maybe next year, but definitely disappointment for this past year. Yeah, I think uh, the injury to Cortland Sutton really hurt because he was depending on a lot of young players that were, you know, still not. Uh, I mean, they were obviously really talented players, but uh, really young and inexperienced. And then on top of that. Um, you're right. I just feel like if he could have put together some of his fourth quarters throughout a, an entire game, you'd really have something there. So hopefully he can, uh, you know, capture some of that consistency and, and be a, a decent, uh, at least a top 15 play for fantasy football purposes. Well, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, look at some of the weapons that losing Cortland Sutton was a significant loss. You had Cor- you, going into the season, you can have Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, you know, Tim Patrick. Um, some pretty talented um, receivers and tight ends there. Losing Sutton, then you're looked at relying on Judy, 
and uh, Hamler as rookies. Hamler battled hamstring injuries um, over the course of the year. Um, Pitt, Tim Patrick, though, did step up quite a bit and had a pretty successful year. Yeah, but, he was, you know, not, he was not the same tools that we thought Locke was going to have going into the year. Perfect. Well, we'll move on to number 14. And I feel like we're talking about Jared Goff at number 14, but this is Derek Carr for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he, uh, you know, he had some of the, he was kind of the same thing where he had some games where you thought he would, it was a good matchup. He was really going to give you a lot of fantasy points and then he didn't produce. And then there were some matchups where they might, you know, they were a little bit tougher matchups that he came through on. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where John Gruden's kind of tough on quarterbacks as it is. And you're not even sure what John Gruden thinks about his quarterback situation. At least I didn't. That was my takeaway from it. So I'm, I'm not sure that Derek Carr is the answer for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, he, he definitely, I think, pretty much his standings in the in his quarterback rankings is pretty, uh, uh, I guess, in line with the Las Vegas Raiders and how they played. They were a 500 team. Uh, Derek Carr to me was kind of like a 500 quarterback in, in fantasy football circles. Yeah, I, I, very similar to Jerry Goff, like you said. You know, outside that 15 in my rankings. Um, didn't have him in the top 15. Um, but again, you had those matchups. You thought he was going to do well. Um, you know, I will say that one that really stands out to me is Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that was a game that looked like to put up a lot of points and uh, just abysmal in that game. Um, now, granted, as the course of the year went on, Atlanta Falcons defense did improve. Uh, but just inconsistent. He's got some young weapons out there and thought it would be a, a little bit uh, – I didn't think he was have a top 15 year. thought he'd be outside the 15, but – you know, when you have uh, you know, the, the tight end, uh, the passing game that they do have in Oakland, you know he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, uh, you know, I'm kind of talking down on him a little bit, but he did a lot better than what I thought he would do. I actually thought he'd be a lower-tier quarterback this year. Um, I had Derek Carr all the way at 26 at the end of the by the end of the year, so I really wasn't high on Derek Carr. So he did better this year than uh, what I was anticipating. And uh, actually, at 14, I had Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers, which he ended up doing a little bit better than that. I'm, but he's basically, that's right where he was. And so I, I feel good about my Ben Roethlisberger prediction for the Steelers. Uh, he ended up being at number 12, which we'll get to soon. But um, I, I, I don't feel too bad about that evaluation of him. Yeah, I had uh, Roethlisberger at number 15. Um, it's pretty close to where anticipated he would be. Um, you know, I, I think that... You know, as the season wore on, you saw some. Granted, we're playing. We're focusing on the first sixteen weeks. That's where fantasy football. Um, <laughs> you know, that's where it lives and resides. But after after that, you saw some things that are a little worrisome going into next year, and, and kind of what you wonder about what the long term is for Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Exactly, and who knows if he's even going to be there? Obviously, my money is he will be there, but uh, that's definitely a situation where. You know, was it the play calling? Because there's definitely been a lot of rumors that they were the easiest to prepare for on offense. And, uh, you know, you look at their offense, it wasn't really that innovative. Uh, but also, you look at uh, Roethlisberger that wasn't able to connect on the deep balls, and they were challenging him to make those five-yard throws that they were making earlier in the season. And uh, once they weren't able to do that anymore, you really saw their offense sputter. So we'll move on to our number 13 ranking. And that is Matt Ryan for the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan, I mean, I had him all the way at number seven. So I was really high on Matt Ryan, mostly because I wasn't really sold on their running game. And, 
you know, that was an accurate assessment because their running game really wasn't that effective the whole season. Uh, Todd Gurley had some decent games here and there, but overall the running game was atrocious. And Matt Ryan still didn't uh, pass for as many yards as I thought in that circumstance. Uh, I, I obviously think that's attributed to Julio Jones really being uh, injured a lot of the year. And uh, even when he was playing, he was playing hurt, so he wasn't that effective. It really was down to if he was able to get the ball to Calvin Ridley and uh, sprinkling you know, Hayden Hurst and uh, Russell Gage in there a little bit. But I, I think Matt Ryan ha- ha- had a little more disappointing year than what I was expecting. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Jason. I had him at number seven as well. Um, so having number 13 is definitely behind where I thought he would be. Um, and again, I, I think you're right, though, Julio Jones, um, the injuries that he faced and the lack of production um, that he, he had this year, I think, had an overall effect. Um, disappointing year for what you know, normally is one of the most reliable fancy football um, quarterbacks. Especially you know, at home. Over the full, full week, he did have tw- he had 4,500 yards passing this year, touchdowns at 26. Um, and one of those things, too, with the, the Falcons is – um, you, you know, they, they're getting a new coach. You're wondering if they're going to commit to Matt Ryan in the future. And, you know, I, to be honest, if, if I'm running operations for the Falcons, I, I definitely think Matt Ryan's a, still a top tier quarterback and has some years left. And you're, you know, you're able to revamp that defense a little bit, uh, and, and get a running game going. I, I think, uh, that he won't pass as much, but he'll be more efficient. And actually, those yards will come with just the efficiency of having a balanced offense. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, at number 13, I had Tom Brady for the Buccaneers, and I was way off on that. He uh, was a, a lot higher in the uh, overall rankings. Uh, I was concerned about Brady's age and the fact that, uh, you know, he had the outside weapons in Evans and Godwin. I just didn't think that uh, he would be throwing, you know, have a lot of big plays and throwing it deep very much. And I was wrong all the way around on Tom Brady. I thought Tom Brady had a brilliant season and was a, a top commodity in fantasy football this year. Yeah, I was pretty close to my prediction for um, Tom Brady. I had him number uh, nine and going into the 2020 season. Um, finished overall at number eight. So pretty, mm-hmm. pretty accurate, that projection. I just felt there was a lot of weapons surrounded by Tom Brady um, and, you know, even lost one that I thought would was going to be a big help in that being O.J. Howard. Um, but Tom Brady in an Aryan system um, was seemed to be a good fit, and obviously we're going to see him here in the Super Bowl. Days yeah. in the Super Bowl. And I think uh, with, uh, with the Tom Brady situation, too, it was, you're right, with Arians, the way, the type of coach he is, he basically handed the team over to Brady, and you do that with uh, how smart Tom Brady is and, uh, you know, effective. I just think that, uh, yeah, I underestimated him a little bit. I, I thought his age would catch up to him, and it did with other quarterbacks, but uh, Tom Brady can play to his 50 if he keeps playing this way. <laughs> um, moving along to our, our next ranking, it's the... 12th spot and it's Ben Roethlisberger so again we just uh, talked about him uh, a little bit ago Um, we don't need to really rehash too much more I I felt like uh, he had a lot of weapons around him 
But I think the biggest thing is I feel like Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan were kind of the same quarterback. They both had really atrocious running games. They couldn't run the ball. They relied on quarterbacks that were a little bit older to pass the ball to uh, really drive the offense. And, you know, again, Roethlisberger wasn't able to develop that chemistry deep with a lot of those receivers. So there were some big plays, but not enough. And uh, teams just were able to sit in that 5- to 10-yard range, and uh, it was really tough going for the Steelers' offense. And uh, Roethlisberger, I think, moved into the you know into the 12th spot just because of the uh, amount of passes that he had uh it seemed like they were throwing the ball you know like 76 percent of the time actually is uh looking at it is how often they were they were throwing it so they, they were uh they were really using Roethlisberger to, to uh audible at the line and more often than not he was just going to the pass and spreading the ball out so um it doesn't surprise me he made it it just uh he didn't look good doing it And uh, I'm looking at the rankings of where we had him. I had uh, at number 12, I had Daniel Jones, which, again, is another big miss. If uh, I had Daniel Jones as a running back, I would have been good. Um, Of course, uh, you know, even then, going back to him tripping at the 10-yard line when he was gone for a touchdown. uh, Daniel Jones had a tough year, and I... I think what I downplayed on that uh, picking Daniel Jones that high was I thought he'd have a breakout. I thought he'd uh, not turn the ball over as much, which I felt like was still an issue this year. But uh, I thought the line would improve a little bit, and I didn't really feel like the offensive line did improve that much. I feel like he was running for his life back there, and uh, it really limited his effectiveness. Yeah, I I had uh, Daniel Jones at 13, um, so a big miss for me as well. Um, I think... A couple things, um, like you said, the line, um, you know, wasn't quite what we thought it'd be, but also the running game, uh, losing Barkley early, yeah, for... I think, did affect his overall performance. Now, doesn't mean that he was going to jump all the way up to the 13th spot where I predicted him, but I think it's more likely <laughs> this is where we could see him finish the year if he had Barkley. I mean, that's a tremendous weapon to take out of your offense. Still have a relatively young quarterback. That system is going to be designed to uh, be off Barkley and play action off of that run game. Now you lose Barkley, and you're relying mm-hmm. on a young quarterback in a new system. That's, that's quite a lot to ask. Um, you know, some being consistent play at wide receiver, some promising, you know, um, receivers. and uh, But it just seemed really inconsistent. Nevin Ingram disappointed uh, from a fantasy perspective this year. And uh, obviously, Daniel Jones is a, a part of that. But um, uh, losing Barkley, in my opinion, had a big impact on – what his fantasy production was going to be this year for Daniel Jones. No, and I agree, and I, I think you could even, you know, on top of Barkley, you look at how many how much time Sterling Shepard missed this year. You know, when he came back, the Giants' offense, not that they were uh, amazing, but they played a lot better when he was able to rely on Sterling Shepard. I mean, Sterling Shepard really started becoming a pretty good commodity towards the end of the season because uh, mm-hmm. of Daniel Jones' uh, chemistry with him. And I agree yeah, with you. I think I think the big bust was Evan Ingram. Like, they tried to force-feed him the ball, and Evan Ingram just they, they couldn't connect. So he'd have, like, you know, 10 targets and only have, like, three catches, and, you know, those the yards he got off of those were nothing. So... It was like one of those situations where they were they were trying, it just wasn't working. Right. Yep. So, going, moving along to our next ranking, it's number eleven, Kirk Cousins for the Minnesota Vikings, and my take on Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings is, I underestimated the fact that their defense was so bad. I knew it wasn't going to be great, 
but it really took away from what I think they were trying to do on offense. I thought they were going to be a running team that was going to be able to basically make Kirk Cousins a game manager, and you know they were going to play okay defense, run the ball, uh, and, and pass it very rarely. And instead, they got behind so bad so often that they really had to play catch-up the whole game, and that really attributed to Kirk Cousins having to throw the ball a lot more than I think Zimmer was comfortable with. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, the Kubiak system anticipated a lot more of the running game. Um, they were behind a lot. And the Justin Jefferson, um, he you know, anticipated he would be a, a very good addition for the Vikings, but he really came on as one of their, you know, one of the uh, premier receivers in the in the NFL. Yeah. And so he stepped up um, in a way that um, greater than I anticipated. And that also helped put up some of those numbers. You know, having Diggs lead, and then, you know, having Thielen, who's a great receiver, but losing Diggs and not sure that a rookie like Jefferson was able to step in and play the way, the way he did. Some of the reasons I think factored into me having Kirk Cousins outside of 15, but sure. Kirk Cousins exceeded my expectations, put quite a bit of points this year. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that the whole thing with Justin Jefferson, which we'll get into with when we cover receivers, though, is, you know, uh, first off, they weren't supposed to be passing that much, and people were worried about him going to an outside receiver role from the slot because. Basically, that's what he did all his work for LSU. So they weren't sure that he was effective there. And he really proved everybody wrong. He was one of the most dynamic receivers in the NFL and not just being a rookie. So, um, and actually, I had Kirk Cousins ranked. I'll tell you where I had Kirk Cousins ranked. I had him at 24. So I really didn't expect a lot from him. Uh, I even had like Baker Mayfield ahead of him. That's how much I thought of the passing opportunities for Kirk Cousins. But. Uh, again, I didn't count on that defense being so bad, and they had to pass the ball a lot more than what we were anticipating. So going to our next ranking, it is Justin Herbert for the Chargers. And if anyone could say that they thought Justin Herbert would be a top-10 QB by the end of the year, then they're lying to you because uh, he wasn't even starting. The The only reason why he even got the start was a medical malpractice of getting uh, Tyrod Taylor's lung punctured from a, a, a needle. And uh, he just took the reins from that point and uh, never looked back. I mean, I'll be honest, I thought he was a quarterback that needed some time to develop, but he looked like one of the best rookie quarterbacks that's come around in, in some time. And... Uh, I felt like that an offense that, you know, started maybe taking advantage of Justin Herbert's talents, but uh, I think that could uh, even be, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I guess he could uh, even have a better season next year uh, with having all his weapons back. You know, Eckler was out for a portion of the season, and uh, Mike Williams was hurt at points of the season. You know, you get all those weapons back, I think Herbert could be a, a great quarterback, and he, he definitely... Yeah, I'm- Go on. I'm sorry. I definitely didn't have him in my my top ten. Um, <laughs> no, I, I thought, you know, it's. It, I remember talking about this in the, you know, this podcast that a lot of people were really high in Tyrod Taylor. I wasn't, um, you know, one because I felt that he was a quarterback that was a kind of a bridge that was going to help, um, you know, start for a while, and eventually they're going to transition to Herbert. Um, but seeing him play, you know, they're. And it just highlights why Tyra Taylor shouldn't be in any of the discussions as far as, dra- as, far as being drafted in fantasy football because um, Herbert's play is has was uh, remarkable. He was one of the players I actively sought as much as I could to get him on my fantasy roster and one that uh, you know I think could do big things next year. Played incredibly well. Was one of the 
you know, the the top tier fantasy football quarterbacks mm-hmm. in that second half of the season. So I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do next year in LA. Well, and, and just on top of that too, just from a pure enjoyment standpoint, I mean, Justin Herbert was really fun to watch. He was one of the more yep. he's a quarterback that you know he's on on the TV. Uh, you're watching that game and you're watching him play because he's just fun to watch play quarterback. Absolutely. And I had him ranked at 31, so I, I knew it was going to be a, <laughs> eventually that he would pass Tyrod Taylor, but didn't think it was going to be, uh, uh, you know, that uh, early in the season. Up. Exactly. So <laughs> uh, I guess I was right that he ended up being the starter, but I guess I wasn't right in the fact that uh, he was able to play as well as he did. So that's a, that's a feel-good story, for especially for fantasy football. You, you know nobody really drafted him, so if you're able to pick him up, that was a big boost to your team, being able to get him off of the waiver wire. Um, moving along from Justin Herbert, at number nine, we have Lamar Jackson. And this, I mean, we had him at number two. I think we both had him at number two. But this is something we talked about on the podcast before the season, that a regression was coming with Lamar Jackson. And we felt like the rushing was still going to be there which it was because he was able to rush for a 1,000 yards still, but that we felt there might be a regression in his passing, and that's kind of what happened in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, in my my thought is that it was going to be a re, We had the number two as well, but thought it was going to be a regression in the number of rushing attempts, and I thought that was going to be one of the big keys. And when I look at, you know, his stats um, this first year, you know, uh, or this – uh, beginning of the year, I should say, uh, first few games. I think the first six games, he had one game where he had more than 10 rushing attempts. And as you went on through week, you know, eight through 17, um, there was one game where he had below 10 rushing attempts. And as it went further on, that's when you started to see more points being produced towards the end of the year when they started getting let Lamar Jackson do what he, one of the things he does best is run the ball. Um, mm-hmm. And so, Again, that was something we anticipated that they might not run as much um, through the course of the year. They definitely did do that early. I think that it affected it. You know, another thing that did, I think, affect his overall points definitely wouldn't have jumped him from all the way from, you know, 10 to um, um, number two where we had him, but he missed one game because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that affects overall points. And then also, uh, you know, just they need to get some additional receiving weapons out there for him because. Howard Brown came on late in the year, but during the year it was they didn't have many many options. And and, and you referenced it in your podcast when we talked about it, is that outside of Andrews, where does he go passing the ball? And that's something that needs to be addressed this next year. Yeah, and that was obviously my big concern. Um, I know everyone was on the Hollywood Brown hype train, and I was not. And I, I'll be honest, I felt good about it at first. Uh, you know, he started coming on later in the year, and actually when you needed him to, but who's going to wait that long for him? I mean, he was just so non-existent for most of the season. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, Miles Boykins, again, he'd he'd be lucky to get one or two catches in a game. So unless you're hitting Mark Andrews or one of those running backs out of the backfield, there really wasn't anything for him to throw to. And I'm not sure if it was necessarily his uh, accuracy has been documented that uh, would be a problem for him, or if it was just the receivers weren't able to get open. So he was making, maybe making some throws that, uh, weren't necessarily high quality throws because uh, he had to force the ball. So it'll be interesting to find out next year what happens with this, but they definitely need some more playmakers at the wide receiver position. And let's see who we have at number nine. I had at number nine, 
I had Matthew Stafford. So I actually was a little bit higher on Matthew Stafford. I'll be honest, I thought the offense would be a little more uh, innovative and more efficient than it was. I mean, it really came down to, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift came on late, but overall it was really Matthew Stafford carrying that offense the whole the whole season. Uh, Stafford, you know, I had him at uh, 12. Um, I had him as 12 overall. But, you know, I think some of the things, too, we talked about this, is that the injuries to Galladay, um, yeah. that's a significant loss. Um, so having Galladay unavailable for a big portion of the year, I, I do think affected his overall production. Um, Swift, we anticipate a little more uh, from him as well, but he also missed some games. So, um you know, I'm excited to see what he does in the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think it's going to be exciting with the, the weapons that he has there to see Stafford playing a different system. Um, you know, it's one of the tougher nails quarterbacks, but uh, it didn't put up the points that I anticipated this year either. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you, you go back to that Lions offense. You're right, Galladay's out, Swift missed some games. Um, and there's times where Stafford was hurt himself trying to, trying to play. So I, I really felt like... Matthew Stafford had to try to carry the team more than what I thought. Like his, his weapons just weren't there for him. And I'm really actually thinking it's a good move by the Lions to try to do a rebuild because what they, you know, it's, it's been a long time of them kind of just treading water at, uh, you know, three to six wins and they need to do something different. So you're right. Stafford at the Rams is going to be a good move. I think it's really going to in, uh, increase Stafford's value next year. And I mean, you go in that offense with those weapons for the Rams, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a good deal for him. We look at overall year. We, you know, the overall fantasy season. Jared Goff was 15 overall. <laughs> Stafford was 16. Quite a bit different weapons. Quite a bit different system. I'm very excited to see what Stafford does this upcoming year. No, I agree with you. Um, number eight is old man Tom Brady. We have already kind of talked about him. He had all the weapons. I mean, when you have, especially when they added Antonio Brown, I knew Tom Brady meant business. Um, I, I was worried about, obviously, like I said earlier, his age, but when you have Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, OJ Howard, who really didn't do anything, uh, cause he got hurt. And then, uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, just, uh, yeah, it was just it's so many weapons. And then you, I think, uh, what else helped him out too, was just the emergence of Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones really came on this year. You had, you know, they signed Leonard Fournette. I mean, this offense was just stacked. So Absolutely. it doesn't surprise me that Tom Brady had the season he does when you look back on what he had available to him. And uh, I think I was being a little cautious, but uh, I guess that kind of burned me in the end because I definitely uh, ranked him lower than what he should have been. Let's see, in uh, number eight, I had on my rankings, I had Deshaun Watson, which... You know, it was he was a top five quarterback, but uh, I made that prediction based off of DeAndre Hopkins being traded away, and uh, Deshaun Watson. I think proved to everybody that it doesn't matter who he has to throw to; he's going to get the job done. And especially Bill O'Brien, which we'll get into as well when he's up. But uh, that made a huge difference too. I think I would have rated him higher if I would have known that Bill O'Brien would be gone. Yeah, I had uh, Watson eight overall. You know, he finished the year number six. Um, but, uh, yeah, same thing. You know, loss of DeAndre Hopkins, I thought that would that would bring him down. But as you said, we've learned that <laughs> now it helps to have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, mm-hmm. But, 
Um, Watson's going to create his offense. It doesn't matter who's random. He's going to he's going to make plays, and he's going to make those around him better. And he's going to put up a lot of points. So um, we'll see where he goes um, this year if he gets traded. Um, but you know, kind of putting up that kind of you know, those kind of points with not the, the the weapons that he had the previous year and or what we'd want to see him around. It'll be interesting to see what he can do, um, you know. Or even where he's going to be, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But well, uh, as far as Will Fuller, we talked about Will Fuller. You know, he ended up, you know, putting up quite a few points before. Obviously, he had his suspension, um, but didn't have a lot of weapons around him. And if he can put up those points, I feel confident wherever he ends up next year, um, he's going to do well. Well, and I was going to say, uh, we'll talk about this with receivers, but uh, with Will Fuller, I feel like he switched it up on us. You know, we're like, oh, he's going to get hurt. We're worried about him getting hurt. Like, he could be good if he doesn't get hurt. And he's like, I'm not going to get hurt. I'll get suspended. <laughs> and so now we're like, oh, now we still don't have Will Fuller. But uh, right. <laughs> we'll get to that when uh, we talk about receivers. Um, number seven, we have Ryan Tannehill. And he did a whole lot better than what I had him at. I had Ryan Tannehill at number 16, and I I liked his rushing ability, but obviously with Derrick Henry, you don't think they're going to pass the ball very much. And what was crazy about his stats was he actually was productive on games that Derrick Henry had really great uh, games. So it really didn't matter whether Derrick Henry was doing Derrick Henry things. He was still able to be a productive quarterback. And, you know, again, between his rushing and his passing, Ryan Tannehill was a really solid option this year. And you know you got him late in the draft. So whoever drafted him uh, really, yeah, benefited off of having him on the roster. Well, he, he had 33 passing touchdowns this season and had seven rushing. I, if you had asked him to begin the year if he would have 33 passing touchdowns, I would have said no. I, I wouldn't think there's any way he'd be throwing the ball or get 38, um, you know, passing touchdowns. A.J. Brown, um, big-time receiver, um, he battled injuries all year, but mm-hmm. um, obviously he has a proven weapon, A.J. Brown. And, and then again, like you mentioned, the rushing. Uh, Lamar Jackson um, had seven rushing touchdowns last year, so did 10. <laughs> so um, definitely exceed. I didn't have my top 15. Uh, 33 touchdowns from Tannehill and seven rushing touchdowns, pretty phenomenal. Well, I and think the offense did look a little bit different than I anticipated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought it would be much more Derrick Henry. It's still Derrick Henry, the, the main guy there, but they put the ball up quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I think AJ Brown changed that for them. Yeah, I think with uh, with Ryan Tannehill too. You know, we, we talked about how efficient they were the year before and how that efficiency wasn't sustainable. That there was going to be a drop off, but then. This year, it didn't really drop off. That's just their offense. Like, that's what they're able to do. So, to do that two years in a row and be that efficient with limited options is just, it just was fascinating to me. Like, I didn't think it would happen, and, and it did. So, kudos to Ryan uh, Tannehill, but he was a, yeah, he was a starting quarterback, and he, both people drafted him to be your backup. So, I guarantee, you know, halfway through the season, most people were putting him in as their starter. Right. Yep. So, number seven. I had uh, Matt Ryan for the Falcons. We already talked about that. I uh, thought he was going to do a little bit more, uh, especially doing his home games in uh, indoor stadium in Atlanta where he's usually nails. He uh, had a regression a little bit. Number six is Deshaun Watson for the Houston Texans. And I I feel like we 
weren't that far off on him. We had him at number eight. So anytime I'm like within two or three of where I had him positioned, I don't feel too bad about it. Um, and Deshaun Watson could have been higher. I Again, I feel like it was because of, you know, we just spent time talking about him, but really it was about Bill O'Brien. If uh, I would have known he would have been fired earlier in the season, I would have had Deshaun Watson a lot higher, but he really wasn't that far off from where we had him ranked, so I don't consider this one a loss or a win in that regard. And yeah, I think the one that we were pretty spot on, um, it's number five overall fantasy quarterback through week 16 was Russell Wilson. Yeah, I uh, like that one a lot because um, I had Russell Wilson at number four. And (laughs) I had him just uh, ahead of Dak Prescott, which we won't even talk about because of his injury. Dak Prescott was amazing. He actually could have been the top quarterback if he didn't get hurt. Um, but Russell Wilson was basically what we thought he was going to be. You know, the we, we knew that they were going to try to uh, use Russell Wilson this year and have less of a run-centric offense and try to use the weapons around, uh, you know, him between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, but the, the thing that kind of uh, surprised me is the fact that they fired their offensive coordinator and then said that they wanted to run the ball more. And it was like, what did you see about Russell Wilson that made you not want to use him and utilize him? I, I think teams started catching on a little bit, and especially with the injuries of Chris Carson and the running game, um, they were able to key on Russell Wilson a little bit more than they have they did earlier in the season. But he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he can beat you so many different ways, whether it's with his feet, you know, he's just he's a smart quarterback. Um, passing the ball, you know, reading defenses. I, I just, he, he basically had the season that I thought he would. Uh, I just, I think the big thing about him was he was, he was doing so amazing early on that he kind of fell off towards the end of the season and, uh, not having that consistency, I think was what people take away from, you know, his season, although it was a fantastic season and his, his completion percentage was through the roof. Yeah. I think one thing, uh, you know, Next year will help. I mean, obviously, Lockett and Metcalf, but just getting a reliable tight end option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Greg Olson was one that we were hopeful, you know, could you know not be someone that's going to put up a ton of points, but the guy that could, uh, you know, get a lot of those red zone targets to help with that with Russell Wilson and losing him to injury and yeah. just didn't have that tight end production that we commonly see, you know, um, with Seattle. And I, so, um, and I liked Will Disley, but, you know, he just came off a big injury. And then Hollister is what he is. I don't think he's a starting tight end. So I agree with you that there still needs to be some. And actually the offensive line, I think if anything really hurt Russell Wilson, it was the fact that the Seattle, uh, you know, really had a mediocre offensive line to, to protect him. So on to number four, where we have Aaron Rodgers waiting for us. And I've feel really bad about this one because Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback and I doubted him going into the season. You know, I I tried to look into what they did during the draft, trying to, uh, you know, it kind of showed me that I thought they were going to try to run the ball a lot more and that the Green Bay Packers offense was going to be a lot more efficient with just running the ball and managing the game. And it wasn't like that at all. The Packers offense was one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers was the reason for that. You know, he had a down year the year before, but he's Aaron Rodgers and he's doing what he normally does. And so I feel bad 
selling him short, but at the same time, I'm. it was good to see, and it was fun to watch the Packers this year. Yeah, I think many people had Aaron Rodgers further down this year, um, and so I know we're not alone, but I'm with you. I, okay, you know, we sold, um, you know, Rodgers short, and as we talked about, you know, Watson and concerned, you know, or, about how he could make plays and be a playmaker with any cast that he has, he's proven that Aaron Rodgers has has as well. And it's one that, you know, I'm not going to undervalue him again. You know, I had 14 <laughs> and I even felt like, Hey, he's still Aaron Rodgers. I got to get him in top, you know, at 14. But, uh, yeah, he, he was, he far exceeded that expectation and lesson learned next year. And it's interesting, you know, you and I both had the number one receiver is Devonte Adams. Exactly. You know, the guy's got to throw him the ball, you know? So, <laughs> you know <laughs> well, I had him at 17, by the way. I had him at 17. So I feel even worse than you because you're like at least (laughs) smart enough to be like, hey, like he's Aaron Rodgers. He should be at least top 15. I was like, oh man, they're, they, they drafted Jordan Love. They're, you know, they're not going to do anything with Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's all, he's, he's angry. He's not going to want to play for the Packers. And, uh, it's the end of the Packers. And sure enough, he has one of his best seasons he's had in a long time. Well, you know, and some of the receivers, I thought some of the younger receivers, they came on late, you know, but they weren't sure. as they weren't as productive as I thought they were going to be. Um, but I guess if you just go three touchdowns to um, Devontae you know, Adams, Adam <laughs> you're good to go. You know, you don't need that that extra, you know, um, play at receiver. And they weren't as efficient running the balls as I thought they were either. That's true. Or I thought they were going to be. And, you know, you're you're right. Uh, I thought they'd run the ball a little bit better than they did. But uh, Alan Lazard wasn't I you know I thought maybe he'd do a little bit better being uh that second receiver and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling like he he was great but he was a boomer bust in regards to he needed that big play he was the right. deep threat and if he connected on it he was having a great day but if he didn't it was like feast or famine for Marquez Valdez-Scantling so it was kind of frustrating you had to really pick the you know guess the day that uh, he was gonna go off and the only consistent guy they had was really uh, Devontae Adams. And, you know, Robert Tanyan, I mean, Aaron Rodgers made a star out of Robert Tanyan. No one even really talked about him or heard about him before the season started. Right. So right. I guess it's uh, he's able to build that chemistry by riding around with the offense in the back of pickup trucks uh, with Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a real leadership move on, on his part. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think it would be Miller Light, though. Yeah, it, was, it might have been Miller Lite. It's probably going to be Miller Lite. I agree, being in <laughs> Wisconsin. and um, But uh, at number four, we, we already talked about it. We had Russell Wilson. So um, Russell Wilson, again, we didn't we, we got him right. We didn't get Aaron Rodgers right, and uh, we feel kind of foolish for that. Number three is... This one is about right where it was, especially when you consider the injury that happened. Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't really have anything to say about it. I mean, I think the only surprising thing for me, and we kind of talked about it off uh, off the podcast, was his completion percentage was actually, like, I think second out of all the quarterbacks in the top 12. So it really just shows all the weapons he has around him that were able to make big plays all the time. Because I think if he was able to even get the completion percentage within, you know, the, the top five of, of the rest of the quarterbacks, Mahomes would have been unstoppable. Um, Travis Kelsey had a, the best season tight ends ever had in the history of the sport. Tyreek Hill is just amazing. 
you, you can't cover the guy, you know. He can do a reverse, he can do a screen pass, he can, you know, run 70 yards and catch a bomb. It's just you can't cover the guy. So um, Mahomes is just on another level, and obviously that's why I think, you know, they're, they're in the Super Bowl and they might be one of the first teams in some time to go back-to-back championship. Yeah, we had um, Patrick Mahomes as our number one, and while he was number three, the separation between the two is uh, is like six point six point or six points. Well, and on top of that, Mahomes was hurt for right. You know how many games? Like uh, two or three games. I mean, I had him on my fantasy team. I should know, but uh, there was there. You know, he missed some games because he was injured. So imagine he plays those games. He pretty much blows away the competition and really. Uh, you know that I think that obviously it wasn't a hard evaluation to say Patrick Mahomes was going to be the best quarterback in in football and for fantasy, and uh, you know if he didn't have the injuries, he would have been. Yeah, that wasn't a bold prediction. Is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly, it doesn't make us look good because uh, you know you could put a, you know my dog could have uh, picked Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback. <laughs> um, but at number three, I had Kyler Murray, and I feel good about that prediction. Uh, you know, people. Uh, had Kyler Murray from five on, uh, you know, using the five to ten range. I was really high on him. I thought he was going to be one of the best quarterbacks, uh, fantasy football wise, in in the NFL. And I, you know, outside of the top two that everyone was talking about, he was my number, you know, my my top quarterback to make the uh, the next step. And he did. So I feel good about picking uh, Murray at three. So we both had Murray at three going into the year, mm-hmm. um, and we both said he could be number one. In fantasy points this year, we thought that was possible. Yep, right. and we'll get to that. Yes, um, that's, <laughs> but uh, looking at some of that was you know eleven rushing touchdowns. That's a lot of yeah. a lot of points out of that position. Obviously, we talked about Lamar and, and uh, Ten Hill getting seven and getting eleven from Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's just insane. And you know, you, you talk about you know when we get into the running backs, the disappointment of the Cardinals running backs. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they weren't getting in the red zone. They were using Kyler Murray as their red zone back. Sure, so, uh, But anyway, we'll uh, go on to number two. And number two is made quite a jump. He's, he's another guy that, had, uh, that made that next step. Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills. He's the number two rated quarterback in all fantasy football. And he was able to do everything. I mean, the Bills didn't run the ball. Like, they weren't able to. Zach Moss was hurt a lot of the season. Devin Singletary is not a number one running back. He proved it this year. He's a good complimentary guy, um, but he's not the guy. And they really used Josh Allen as a running back slash quarterback. So he did everything for this team. And when you have someone like Stephon Diggs that you can just throw to 17 times a game, uh, it makes your job a little bit easier on, you know, but I think the big surprise for me for Josh Allen and the reason why I think that he moved all the way to number two, number one, of course, because of his rushing, but um, number two is because I was really worried going into the season about his accuracy. That was the big knock on him going, you know, coming into the NFL. He, you know, the year before it was sporadic and this year was just, it was on point. He, uh, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks. I think he was top I think he was fourth in all the NFL and uh, uh, completion percentages. So I never expected him to make that jump in, you know, his accuracy. And he was able to do that. And Bills were exciting offense to watch this year. He was 69.2% over the year um, completion percentage. Um, we talked about rushing. He had eight rushing touchdowns. 
And this is where it really jumped. 37 passing touchdowns. Mahomes had 38. Yeah. Allen had 37 passing touchdowns. A massive jump. I had him in number 10, you know, as my, um, before the season. Obviously, number two. He exceeded my expectations. Very exciting offense, though. Exciting player. I'm excited to see what they continue to build around him. And I, too, had him at number 10, so we pretty much felt the same way. I, I uh, I liked his rushing ability, but even like you know the year before, they didn't rush him as much as what they did his rookie year. So I thought maybe they were trying to lay off of him rushing the ball, and uh, they pulled the one eighty and just they're like, nope, he's our guy. Uh, and uh, I you know I, I think if you would have accounted for the amount of opportunity he was going to get rushing the ball, he definitely would have shot up most people's uh, draft boards. But imagine him now. And you know the fact that you you drafted him probably like in the seventh eighth round of your fantasy football drafts, and he ended up being one of the top tier quarterbacks. And so that kind of goes back to the theory that you know you never draft a quarterback high because there's always going to be those guys that are going to progress. And I, I think Kyler Murray went a little bit earlier, you know, like the fourth fifth round range. But uh, even getting a guy there at that range, being the top quarterback, I mean that's good value compared to oh, sure. trying to grab a Mahomes or Lamar Jackson because you look at these top twelve quarterbacks. And you look at the fantasy points that they they scored total. There's really not a lot of discrepancy between one and twelve. No, and, you know you're right. We talked about this. People are going to draft Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. They were going to do it in the first round this year. We advocated to not do that. Um, you know, and so you see again. I think in some of the leagues, five to seven, somewhere between five and seven, you probably saw Josh Allen or some of these other quarterbacks get drafted. And, you know, look where they're at at the end of the year. That's where you build that talent up front. Um, you know, up front in the draft with your, you know, receivers, running backs, mm-hmm. you know, get that middle to late round quarterback if you can. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, Allen, again, a tremendous value this year coming in number two when considering where he's drafted as well. Yeah, because you, you think about that, like you got a Jackson or Mahomes in the first round, like, you know, running back receiver-wise, you're, you're passing up on, like, the Tyreek Hills and the – Alvin Kamara's and then those type of guys. And then you look at uh, where you get Allen and Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill even. And, you know, later on in the draft and you can have all those guys, you know, like the Squam Barkley's and all those guys that you, that are going to be difference makers at other positions and still get that top notch quarterback. So, right. Excellent. Um, number two, I had Lamar Jackson and I know you had Lamar Jackson. I think we're, mm-hmm. and, yep. uh, we talked about him extensively, so we're not going to get into it too much. But he regressed, but uh, it was a regression that we kind of were warning people about. Number one, we have Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray, like we said, that was a. I feel really good about this uh, analysis of him going into the season. We picked him at number three. We, again, said that he could be number one. We've uh, already talked about him a little bit, but, you know, he has weapons. He got uh, he got uh, DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans as a weapon. You know, Larry Fitzgerald's old. He, he's retiring, but uh, he's still a, a, a good pro and a good receiver. You had Christian Kirk on the other side. You still have Andy Isabella as a young guy that's an up-and-coming receiver. And, and then, you know, they were able to incorporate Edmonds and Kenyon Drake in the passing game a little bit. And Dan Arnold, even, for a tight end, made some pretty big plays. So, uh, you know, outside of that, I just think Kyler Murray's legs. He's one of those rushing quarterbacks that, in fantasy football, those are the guys that you want. You know, if they have a 
uh, it's kind of like the Alvin Kamara's for running back. You know, if they if they aren't having a good game passing the ball, they can have good games rushing the ball. And you know, it's like those re- those running backs that catch the ball a lot. You know, if they're not running the ball, they can get a lot of receiving yards. So they're multifaceted, and they really give you those extra points you need to win your week. We did talk about it again. Those eleven rushing touchdowns. You know, eight hundred nineteen yards rushing, thirty nine hundred yards passing. A little lower than what I thought. Um, but again, offset by the rushing twenty six passing touchdowns. I, I do think Drake was a little bit of a dis. Well, he was a disappointment from a production standpoint this year. Edmonds, um, you know, a valuable versatile back. Christian Kirk, um, you know, was had a fair season, a little underperformed what some of my expectation, expectations were. But I think they need to really look to see about adding another, you know, either a, a back or, a, you know, another tight end mm-hmm. um, to that system and seeing what that can do for Kyler Murray going up next year. I think you add another weapon for him. And, uh, you know, I think it could really en- enhance his performance. Well, um, it, granted, he was number one, so he didn't <laughs> enhance it much, but – he could really take off given another weapon in that offense. Well, and that's what I was about to say too. You're right. Like we're talking about like what he could do with more weapons and he was the number one quarterback. (laughs) You know, he ranked higher than everyone. I think the big thing though, is you look at his beginning of his year and he just took off the beginning of the year. You were like, man, Kyler Murray is something. And he was kind of like Russell Wilson where they had hot starts and then they kind of faded towards the end of the season. And then you look at his weapons like Kenyon Drake and Christian Kirk where they at the beginning of the season weren't doing what you wanted them to do and then started picking it up towards the end of the season. So it was almost mm-hmm. opposite of what Kyler Murray was doing. And uh, you get all those weapons to be kind of in alliance. You look at that offense, you know, they, they were kind of dragging towards the end of the season. Um, you get all those guys on the same page doing the same things that they were, you know, at the, the, the high points of their seasons, and that's a really potent offense. Yeah, absolutely. So... And at number one, obviously, we both had Patrick Mahomes, which we've talked about. You know, he's outside of the injury would have been number one. And uh, that's our review. And I, I think uh, overall with what I, you know, what we predicted and what ended up happening, uh, there's some where we had some misses. But overall, I feel like we did a good job at uh, really kind of pegging down people's values going into the season. Yeah, absolutely. An exciting year, you know, um, Injuries can sure change things, and obviously this was a challenging year um, for a variety of reasons, um, be it COVID, other injuries. Um, yeah. But I'm really excited to the upcoming or about the uh, excited about the upcoming 21 season. Um, you know, some really exciting quarterbacks, and uh, as you talked about Herbert, just the way some of the NFL systems are using their quarterbacks now, the versatility of running. We're talking a thousand yard rushers at quarterback, eleven rushing touchdowns at quarterback. You know, pretty <laughs> exciting to see how the NFL is evolving the game um, to, you know, incorporate a lot of these uh, diverse offenses and the talents, exciting playmakers at quarterback. So I'm excited yep. to see, you know, when some of the movement trades, you were Watson lines out Stafford. Uh, it's going to be exciting year to predict the upcoming fantasy season. No, and I, I agree. And um, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, looking back on the season, uh, going back to our review, our, two biggest misses was Aaron Rodgers and then Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott obviously was because of injury. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, our biggest misses on who we thought was going to have a better season was Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. Everybody else really fell in line with what we thought they would do. So I'm, uh, again, I, I, I like the, uh, our work on our analysis going into the season, uh, how it panned out obviously is always going to be a little bit different, but, uh, 
you know, some factors played into that. And uh, I just uh, am excited about 2021 and uh, all the opportunities that some of these playmakers are going to have. And then, you know, you look at Joe Burrow, quarterback like that, who was hurt halfway through the season. He looked like a promising rookie, too, and we didn't even talk about him. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of good playmaking quarterbacks that are going to be all through your fantasy drafts this coming up year that can really make a difference. So that's exciting. You brought up a good point talking about, you know, Joe Burrow. You know, we're talking about a draft with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Field, Zach Wilson. Yeah. I know you have a favorite in there too, but we got some exciting names, you know, that are going to be in there and people that are going to play. And I think, that, you know, I don't know if I'm going to predict Trevor Lawrence to be number 10 like we saw with Herbert. But, uh, you know, someone to keep in mind when you're drafting your draft, you know, or, you know, drafting your team this year, look at those quarterbacks you can get, um, you know, later in the round and you, you never know what's going to happen to give them the opportunity. Exactly. They're, they're definitely worth it. And, uh, you know, those are kind of throwaway pieces of your draft anyway. Those are the guys you drop for waivers a lot of the time. So you might pull out a gem by drafting some of these guys. Yeah. You're going to take a, maybe a Zach Wilson. We'll see where he lands. Are you going to get your second, you know, your backup tight end? Exactly. Like, or, you know, your second defense or backup kicker, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I'll be drafting backup kicker. Automatically banned from fantasy. Exactly. I mean, I think you should be banned from drafting kickers in general. So if you're drafting a backup, <laughs> it's, you know, twofold. So, perfect. Well, uh, we'll let's move right along. Yay! Now it's time for our Super Bowl preview. It's the exciting time of the week. We've been waiting for this for a long time. It's going to be a really high-scoring game, but not that high-scoring. And I say that because I'm taking the under 56 points. I, I think a lot of people are expecting like a 35-31 to 31 type game where it's just outrageous. And I don't think that's the case in this one. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game than what we think. You know, and 56 is a lot of points to bet the over on. And I like to take the odds on this. So I'm going with the under, thinking that maybe the defense comes to play a little bit more than what we're thinking. So the Chiefs are favored by three points. I like that. I'm taking the Chiefs. Give me the three points. Or give. Uh, I'll give up the three points and still take the Chiefs. I just really like Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, that offense. And although I think the Buccaneers' defense is solid and better than the Chiefs, I, I just can't bet against this Kansas City offense at this point. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is on another level, and I know Tom Brady's been in like every Super Bowl since most people's, you know, if you're 21 years old, pretty much all you've witnessed is Tom Brady in Super Bowls, but um, it's, you know, Mahomes is, he's the next up-and-coming superstar, and we're probably going to see another dynasty with the Chiefs at this point. I'm starting Tom Brady, however, I think he's a good play against this Chiefs defense, uh, Leonard Fournette at running back I think he can do a lot of damage and he's a better pass catcher than Ronald Jones so I like him in this game I like Ronald Jones, he can still have a pretty decent game, but uh, I like Leonard Fournette more but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ronald Jones has a decent game as well and then Rob Gronkowski Chiefs give up a lot of yards to the tight end so Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bray even though Bray's injured I'm thinking he's going to play both of those guys can have decent games with how bad Kansas City defends the tight end. And then Antonio Brown, I mean, you have three big receivers, and I think Antonio Brown has the best shot. When you're up against their third cornerback, uh, I think you're, you you have a good path to have a big game. 
And, uh, you know, Evans, even though he scored two touchdowns last time they played, he only had like 55 yards. So uh, I think they can, you know, corral Evans and Godwin again in this matchup. And, you know, touchdowns are hard to predict. So I'm not going to go say that Evans should be (laughs) able to get two or three touchdowns in this one. It's just an unrealistic expectation. So on the Kansas City side of the ball, I'm basically sitting – the running game in general. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Le'Veon Bell, Daryl Williams, all on my bench. I don't think they have really big games. Tampa Bay just stuffs the run. You saw what they did against Aaron Jones, and none of these running backs are close to an Aaron Jones-type level. So I think they, they get bottled up. And uh, Sammy Watkins, if he plays, Byron Pringle, they're on my bench. Uh, I do like Patrick Mahomes, of course. Uh, I can't say enough about him. I've been raving about him pretty much this whole segment. And uh, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, you know, the Buccaneers give up a lot of yards to the tight end. But the last game they played, they actually did a good job. I mean, he had eight catches for like 80 yards, but they kept them out of the end zone. And Tyreek Hill is the one that blew up, if you remember. He had like three touchdowns before the half. So uh, if I was a betting man, I would definitely... Uh, I like Tyreek Hill a little bit better than Travis Kelsey in this one. But they got to choose their poison and try to stop one, and the other one's going to feast. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes in that situation. But uh, the Super Bowl, it's going to be a good Super Bowl. I like the matchup. Uh, The Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs are two deserving teams to be in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady and his legacy, like I said, it feels like he's there every year. Uh, this is a big one for him because he basically left the Patriots and for him just to go and win a Super Bowl if he does win uh, away from the Patriots is pretty much a big middle finger to uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots uh, organization and uh, it's a you know Tampa Bay gave him weapons around him and and New England never seemed to to want to do that even though they were still you know going to the Super Bowl I think that was the big thing with the Patriots especially this year you know you see Tom Brady leave and uh, what was there for the next quarterback to to work with so it really just kind of shines the light on Tom Brady's greatness and as much as some people really hate Tom Brady I don't blame you you know the cheating allegations and all that uh he, he still is winning at a level that we haven't seen since Michael Jordan, so it's it's impressive. And uh, with that, that is our our uh, our preview, and uh, enjoy the game. Chicken wings, pizza, whatever else. Uh, this is time to celebrate with friends and family, and we can't do that with COVID, so uh, I guess we can celebrate with food and uh, drinks. So that does it for our show. It's the end of the Super Bowl preview. It's great having Burke in for our review of the quarterbacks. And that's it. So follow us on any podcast network. We're available. Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Apple. We're there. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening. Uh, Give us a review. Give us likes. Rate us. uh, Comment. Do whatever you like. Everything helps in the long run. So in the meantime... We'll see you next week, and uh, we'll be winding down all our uh, reviews to get into the next season. And in the meantime, cheers. Happy Super Bowl watching.